Hey guys, it's Lauren, Courtney, and Brooke, and this is Redline Hotline. In 1934, the United States government established the National Housing Act to increase America's housing stock. However, the written titles and sections created an even bigger issue, segregation. The government's efforts were primarily designed to provide housing to white, middle-class, and lower-middle-class families. African Americans and other people of color were left out of the new suburban communities and pushed instead into urban housing projects. The Federal Housing Administration, which was established in 1934 with the Act, furthered the segregation efforts by refusing to insure mortgages in and near African-American neighborhoods, a policy known as redlining. By definition, the term redlining means the discriminatory practice of denying services to people based on their uncontrollable factors, such as race, age, disabilities, and gender. This opposition can be from federal government agencies, local governments, or the private sector. Typically, redlining is limited to individuals in financial and professional areas. However, it can be carried over to many other activities. Today, you will hear three different stories, each focusing on someone who experienced their own version of redlining in their lives, which taught them to push past this experience and never give up. The common theme between all of these stories is that the experience might have led to failure that was out of their control, but failure is not final. All of the interviewees talked about how after their experience, they did not want to change their goals, but they wanted to work harder to reach them and not lose opportunities again. These stories can inspire others who have had similar experiences and let them know that they are not alone and that sometimes these things are inevitable. But the most important part of this experience is what you learn from it and if you decide to give up or work harder to reach your dreams. I interviewed my dad, Brian Satterley, about an experience he had auditioning for a band where he was not given the role because of his age. He told me how excited he was and that he really wanted to be a part of the band. He had 12 songs to learn with only two weeks to do this, so he spent all of his time practicing so that he could get the spot in the band. They were a good band and somewhat well-known in the area, so he was really excited to try out. When I asked my dad how he had come to the conclusion that he did not get into the band because of his age, he said, quote, I knew going into it that I was younger than everyone in the band, but I didn't think twice about this. After I auditioned, they said they would get back to me. After a couple of weeks, I got a message saying that they found someone else for the band. Looking on Facebook, I saw that the man they chose to be their drummer was their age, maybe even older. They also liked to play some older music, but it was music I liked, so again, I didn't even think the age was a problem. Seeing as though I was 20 years younger than them and they had chosen someone to play oldies music that was their age, I knew that their image had something to do with me not getting in. 
On top of that, their last couple drummers were all older, so that with the circumstances, it was pretty obvious to me. I asked him if he thought that it was okay for them to do this just because of their image. And he said that since it was their project and their image, and if they had something in mind and he didn't meet those requirements, then he guessed it was okay because he wouldn't want to be a part of something where they didn't think he was truly enough to fit their image. He said he was really sad that they didn't choose him because he really wanted to be in this band, but he was okay with it. He said that this did not change his view on the people in the band. He said, quote, if they had a certain predetermined plan and requirement and I wasn't fitting in that, then no, it's not a super serious situation. So I didn't hold it against them or let it get to me that badly, but I was still disappointed. On the flip side though, an open mind sometimes can surprise you. So if they would have given me a chance, you never know, it could have worked out, end quote. I got a surprising answer when I asked if he considered reaching out to the people in the band and asking why they did this. He said, quote, yes, I actually did. I, re I reached out a few weeks later and asked them why I didn't make the cut. And they said I basically wasn't what they were looking for. They said I was a nice person and would keep me in mind for a backup. I was glad that I reached out to them to get closure, but I was still upset about it for a while. Since music is a huge part of my dad's life, I asked if this affected his love for music. And he said it did not, not at all. And he said it actually made him want to work harder because he didn't want to miss an opportunity in the future. So he wanted to work harder to make sure his skills were current to what the music needs were for any band he auditioned for next. He wanted to be chosen based on his skill and impress people so much that they felt like they had to have him and didn't think about if he was fitting their image based on his age or other factors that weren't his drumming skills. This whole experience made him more nervous for the next time he auditioned for a band. It made him more mindful of the things that go beyond just having the talent. The next band he auditioned for, he got in and he ended up being around 10 years older than the other two in the band. So he was really proud of himself after the experience from the other band. He still plays music with these people every once in a while. This was just a one-time thing for him, and he's never had any other experience like it, but he's glad he got to learn from the experience. He learned that, quote, sometimes skills and talent aren't enough to get you the part, the job, and you need to be mindful of image and sometimes things that are out of your control. I learned that I wanted to be the best drummer I can truly be so that things th these things don't get in the way again. Lastly, I asked him what he would say to someone who went through this similar situation. He said, quote, just stay positive, work on everything you have in your control, make sure your skills are up to the expectations, go into it with a positive mind because sometimes you can change somebody's mind and make a connection based on personality and talent, putting image to the side, end quote. story I'm going to share with you today is about my Aunt Elena. So a little bit of background on her is she's currently the supervisor at Cuyahoga County's Prosecutor's Office's Crime Strategies Unit, which fun fact about that is she actually created that unit. She has also prosecuted many high-profile cases, including being part of the death penalty case in of Ohio versus Douglas Shrine Jr. 
Although she is very successful today and has made a great name for herself, she didn't have the easiest time getting here. So, now I'm going to dive right into her redlining story and tell it from the very beginning. Since she was little, she's always been fascinated by people who commit crimes, especially serial killers. One of her favorite shows to watch when she was little was Murder, She Wrote, and she would always watch it with her grandma. Her passion for criminals, along with her upbringing, in which her parents always taught her to have a voice and speak her mind, led to her wanting to become a prosecutor because she wanted to advocate on behalf of victims who did not have a voice. In high school, my aunt attended Gilmore Academy in Gates Mills, Ohio, and her freshman year there, she was diagnosed with multiple learning disabilities, one of which being dyslexia. At Gilmore, her learning disabilities did not hold her back because she spent extra time with great teachers who assisted her and gave her great tips and tricks for coping with her disabilities. As soon as she graduated from Gilmore and went to Penn State University to pursue criminal justice and psychology, she found herself to be struggling a little bit more in school. She was on her own and didn't really know how to get learning accommodation, so she just worked really hard and spent a lot of extra time on her work. The defining red line moment in my aunt's life was when she took the bar exam. My aunt didn't really know how to ask for accommodations on such a large standardized test, so she ended up taking this test for the first and second time without any accommodations and failed both times. These fails really discouraged my aunt, but they did not defeat her. After these two fails, she took time off and worked hard at a different job. Throughout her work, she studied countless hours for the bar exam and didn't give up. Although while she was working, she did have doubts about her ability to perform on this exam, she decided she wasn't going to let her learning disabilities in a bubble sheet tell her that she couldn't do something she wanted to do. Without passing this exam, she couldn't be a prosecutor and do what she spent her whole life wanting to do. She then moved to California, got a new job there, and and continued studying for the bar exam, only this time she was studying for the California bar exam, which is considered the hardest bar exam in the United States to pass. Her parents helped her get accommodations for extended time on this exam, and her first time taking the California bar exam, she passed it. A few years later, she returned home to Ohio and also passed the Ohio bar exam on her first attempt since her two failed. She believes failing this exam she felt led her to become an even harder worker and gave her many of the skills which she believes makes her so successful in her job today. She feels as though she would not be nearly as successful or even the type of person she is today without having gone through what she did. She also does not despise standardized tests. She still believes that standardized tests measure your ability to succeed, but they also because they show how much your work ethic matters. My aunt's key takeaways from this redlining experience are to never let anyone tell you that you cannot do something. There's always a way to overcome an obstacle and you should always keep trying. Failing makes you stronger, not success. And without failure, you do not learn how to be better. I interviewed my father, who has been a police officer for 30 years. His story begins at his first interview, when he was in the job process for becoming a police officer in a certain city, the chief thought that my dad was too young. The chief then assumed that because of his age, my dad was going to leave for another opening 
in the next year despite having my father's word that he would stay for many, many years. My father did say that the chief seemed somewhat apologetic. An older officer from a nearby city was hired for the position he had applied for. This officer stayed for a few years and then left because he felt it was too quiet of a community, which is exactly what the chief was afraid of. My father was upset because he was employed as a part-time officer for an adjacent village and was well-liked by the chief and many of his peers. He was respected because my father was told that while being only 22 years old, he was very mature and understood what is expected when you work for a small community. I questioned my father if this experience changed his application process and if age was a concern for another department he applied for. He said, quote, I remain steadfast. I explained to other departments that I would be loyal and remain with, lo with them long term. I remained confident that I would one day get a full-time job as a police officer. I did not change anything. I went into in interviews confident that I would commit to them. I would tell them my commitment to this agency would never be questioned. No other department seemed concerned, and I had three departments to choose from full-time. I chose Willoughby Police, and I've been a proud member for the past 28 years." End quote. His mindset and goal never changed throughout this experience because he said that he has a strong will that was instilled in him by his parents and always felt confident that someone would take a chance on him. His goal was never to disappoint. I then asked my father if he believes that younger people are stereotyped because they may tend to move jobs or locations after a short period of time. I added that if he believed in this, would it overpowers one's potential and how would he have responded if he was hiring a younger person? My father responded, quote, I disagree with the stereotype and yes, it can hamper one's ability to be employed. If I were the chief and was put in a similar situation, I would ask the candidate as to what his future goals are with the with this department. I would tell them that whoever I hire, that I would want their commitment long-term and not a stepping stone." End quote. My father also mentioned that he has never heard of age being a concerning factor in hiring, as his current station hires full and part-timers from a large age range. He encourages employers to look past nothing do a thorough background check if feasible, and a thorough interview process. In addition, have a probationary period for at least a year should you decide you have to terminate the employee. And for the interviewee, my father says that if you truly want something, show them your commitment, loyalty, and drive to be the best. Take no shortcuts, and then good things will follow. This can be through showing the prospective employers, though young, you are mature, confident, and committed to the success of the company. When asked what his main takeaway was from this experience, he said, quote, My main takeaway was to never give up. Their loss was my gain. I retire in May 2026, having proudly served the departments for 30 years. End quote.
So, what do all of these very different stories have in common? Yes, it is true that they all cover very different topics and experiences, but they all share a common message, and that is that no failures are final and can be more influential than successes. Just because of things like age, learning disabilities, and experience may pose as disadvantages in our lives, they don't make anything impossible. When given the opportunity, one can either let setbacks define them in a positive or a negative way. These issues were uncontrollable factors that the interviewees had to live with. However, despite the challenges they may have faced, all three kept their eyes on the prize and continued striving forward. Their failures due to not getting the proper respect and acknowledgement were not final. Everyone has or will have a redlining story or an experience where you might have been disadvantaged or even told no due to a personal quality that you cannot change. So, what will you do when the time comes? Will you stand your ground and continue to work towards your goal? Or will you let the redlining crush your dreams?